are we the right people to train was a question we, we were unable to answer is it all right we are anyway jumping down the cliff and building an airplane while we fall let's try that as well we just had too much things in my hand at the end of the second year we had a lot of things to do we had to handle sales we had to handle marketing we had to handle training we had to handle project deployment but zero structure Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To reduce risk in your life, go to myworstinvestmentever.com today and take the risk reduction assessment I created from the lessons I've learned from more than 500 guests. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest, Mohammed Anis. Mohammed, are you ready to join the mission? Absolutely. Let's go. Let's do it. So I want to introduce you to the audience. Mohammed Anis is a multidisciplinary designer and has been co-founder and design director at Eminent Designs. His expertise lies in product design for enterprise solutions, digital transformation, and usability design for business-to-business SaaS products across domains. With cross-domain experience and a veteran of design methodologies, Anise leads multiple teams in-house and at client locations. He also provides free design consultation for various startups from India. He believes that creativity and entrepreneurship are skills that are innate in every human being and must be embraced. He likes to indulge in design practices that are experimental. So, Mohammed, take a minute and fill in and tell us a bit about the value that you bring to this world. Awesome. Yeah, that is an amazing question. (laughs) Because even when I approach a project or any problem that needs to be solved, the first thing that I reflect on is that I live for the impact and design for the passion. So it's mostly the impact that I'm trying to assess. And that's the success metric for me in any project that I work. So basically every designer in the world are problem solvers. The bigger the problem, the better the solution that we can bring up. Most of the times what I've worked with is various clients around the globe approach me telling that, hey, this is our business. We have been working so far, so and so. This is the problem that we need to solve. Can you help us? We have a team of researchers, we have a team of usability designers, product designers, developers. We come together, put our heads together. We have our design methodologies that's been fine-tuned for B2B SaaS-based products. And we understand the problem first. The solution comes towards the 80% of, you know, at the end of the cycle. Mm. And that's the value that we try to bring to every company that we work with. It's not a solution. It's not a solution-driven process. It's a process that's problem-driven. We understand the problem more closely before we even take any assumptions. So yes, in short, my job is to help customers understand the problem more detailed and take disciplined approach towards finding the right solution to bring forth the right problem and solve the right solution. If that makes sense. It's pretty vague and it is vague because we work across domains. We work in different domains. There's no not a single industry that we have you know, checked out saying that, no, we're not going to try that. Mm, mm. I guess that the point is, is that truly listening to the clients 
issues and understanding the problems and the pain is really the key to success in everything. Yes. Yeah. And I'd add to that, a good listener always listens for, I mean, this is for, you know, like an interaction or a research, right? What we do, we talk to clients. Every time when a human brain cannot understand information, they try to generalize it. They'll say so and so forth. Right. We have been facing multiple issues with respect to go-to-market strategies. Right. So when you say multiple issues, right, what are those multiple issues? Can we just push on that? So we push on those generalization terms until the clients go mad and say, you are supposed to find it, not us. Mm. But then it's already there in your head. Just give us a brief so that we know what to go out and search for. Yeah. So our focus is to understand that key generalization terms and probe on it until they themselves realize what the actual problem, the underlying problem is. Mm. It's good. I mean, I think life is so simple that actually most of us know the underlying problems in our lives. So it, it's just a matter of uncovering it, which it sounds like you're an expert at. Well, now <laughs> it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstance leading up to it and then tell us your story. Absolutely. I'll start with the story because the background is very important to understand the kind of work that I do. And the biggest failure that I've faced is actually within my own company. And hence, the background becomes more important. The story starts way back in 2005 when I was a kid. And I knew that every day for me has to be different. I need to wake up every day and go to the office and do something new. Not stuck in the same circle, right? A wild goose chase, but no. And that's why I reached design. I'm by no means a financial advisor or somebody with a financial background. But for us designers, at the end of the day, it's not about the money. It's about the solution, the impact. And that's what I live for as well. But slowly I realized as I started working with multiple startups, I realized money is a very big part of it, right? So it's basically the concept of Ikigai. What are you good at? What can you take that what's good at and provide some value to people that they are ready to pay you? And the design part of it fit very nicely within my Ikigai. So I did my bachelor's in engineering, actually. And it's during my engineering that I realized that there is a whole field of product design that I need to explore. I did my master's in design. I went ahead. Two years, I explored. I made a lot of friends in the design community. If you know the design community, you know that it's a very small, closely knit group. It's the same concept that Reid Hoffman had about LinkedIn. There's no person in the world that who knows someone, who knows someone, who knows someone. It's just the third layer, right? And design, I'd say, is just two layers. It's not even three, it's just two. So we started with a close-knit group, and I started to realize it's the network that can become my core skill if I'm becoming a business owner. And that also drove me to my interest of building a business of my own. Right from college, I've worked with multiple different startups, different design providers, and I try to learn more about the network that helps the design community be closely knit together. And something that I realized is the core foundation of design is that it always evolves. Design always evolves with respect to you know, the trends, the different technologies that's out there, the preferences of the people, the market. There are multiple reasons that evolves these design. And how it helps different companies is by self-reflection. There's no set uh, you know, methodology like we have for, let's say, physics. 
there are set protocols for doing an experiment, finding out its assessment, and then converting that into a learnable you know, chapter for our generations to come. That's not the case in design. So somebody tries something, they learn something, and then they reflect on it, and then they pass it on to the other designers. And that's how it evolves. And I wanted to do that. So I started my design company. It's called Dynison Designs. It's a service design. And uh, we do end-to-end service consultation for people. But that's where the first mistake happened, experience. Right after college, I decided I'm going to go and start a design company. But I knew I didn't have the experience to build a company. So I joined a design studio to learn the ins and outs, which was both good and bad. Because first, I started doubting myself. Am I capable of building a company of my own? Two years, I've worked for the companies, for other clients, and I learned the ins and outs of design trade. I was confident in my skills. but I, I have not been improving on my business skills. And I trusted my circle so much that I started my company with my friends. So we started with four designers. It was me and three other designers from the same classes. We did our masters together, right? So we thought, hey, everyone shared the same opinion. Design needs to evolve until we push. It does not evolve. So let's push it. Design has been in the industry for about 40, 50 years. And still, we do not have a methodology to build B2B or SaaS-based products. A simple example I can say is you use Uber, right? So the Uber app is very well designed. But have you seen the driver app or even the you know customer care app? There's no standards for that. For iOS, for Android, it's easy to build a product because the standards have been designed. But for B2B SaaS, the standards are not defined yet. It depends upon the product. There are multiple companies trying to evolve it as well. And we wanted to be in its forefront. That was my core reason for starting Emnescent. So my first mistake was jumping in right from job to a design studio without having sufficient contacts. Second was doubting myself. Will I be a good business owner? Still, my friends were really supportive. They said, hey, let's try it. You don't know until you fail, right? Let's go ahead and build it. So I quit my job. Four years into the industry, I quit my job and started a design studio and decided, hey, I'm going to just try it out. Started out really well, though. I'd say when we started out, my network was really supportive. And it was just through word of mouth, we started getting projects. And in under a year, we were cash positive and there were projects coming in. There were really, the money also started coming in and we started hiring like anything. Hmm. And in the end of the year, our problem was we are not getting sufficient designers for the demand. So we had demand, but no supply. And in my little brain, whatever popped up was an idea to start training. But are we the right people to train? was a question we weren't able to answer. We said, all right, we are anyway jumping down the cliff and building an airplane while we fall. Let's try that as well. We just had too much things in my hand at the end of the second year. We had a lot of things to do. We had to handle sales. We had to handle marketing. We had to handle training. We had to handle project deployment, but zero structure. Because we have been just going by the gist of it. We had zero structure, but then the designers we had in our team were very close we connected with them at a personal level that they were ready to you know, like push things around. So by the end of second year, I'd say we had achieved twice the growth than we had in the first year. From five designers, we were 10 designers. Our money also doubled. 
and there were more requests coming in hey can you help us with this 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 and we actually at the end of this year which is our fourth year at the end of fourth year we had around seven clients waiting it said that's fine when you guys are free let's go ahead and do it so the demand was fine but looking back the entire four years this all i can see is chaos all i can see is chaos because i started way early without having any background or any preparation i just said let's try it it seems all hunky dory right i mean it says mm. all beautiful in the first two years but the end of the first year one of my co-founders fell off it was like hey i'm extremely sorry my family has emergencies i am not able to provide them with the life that i want i think a job might suit me better and he left he was not into the entrepreneurial spirit he felt a job might work better for him. the second guy left at the end of second year and for him the reason was hey i thought we were going to do a lot more research we're going to drive the community forward and we have just ended up being a design studio that provide services to different companies why is that then that's when it struck me you know there is a comfort level it is chaotic but if you are a person who embraces chaos and i am i try to find structure in chaos we were very comfortable with the clients coming in we had projects coming in we had money coming in you know, all we need to do is the supply this demand take the money be happy that's not what we started for so the guy said okay i'm going to do research you know what i'm going to take a phd and maybe we'll try that and then he left and that's where i started to feel you know i'm a bad leader because as a leader i should be motivating my team members mm. i should be keeping them driven that they can start their own initiatives well our strategy was very simple there is a need for self research in design i mean you have to spend money and time and research in different methodologies and and improve design and nobody has any idea how ar is going to be how vr is going to be how metaverse is going to be until and unless we try something on our own it's not going to push forward it's just like how well i must face it change doesn't happen until you go ahead and do it that was the core concept but in order to find money to do those research our strategy was let's start with consulting because consulting pays you a lot of money let's use that money invest it in research and then build it up but we were making money we had to invest that money into training these new folks these new designers because our methodology was entirely different we had our own small tweaks we were a data driven company so we had to train these designers to reflect on our processes understand it and then build it so by the end of the year we had zero time and zero plan on how we can actually kick start our research wing two years three years it became frustrating those people started leaving the new designers who come in who take the training they can leave right i mean they had the training now they are being offered better jobs there's no reason for them to stay with us because we are just mm. a team who is delivering projects but for them a career path that can help them build better relationships and better research possibilities that's where the designers thrive so while we succeeded in the first part of our plan the second phase was completely down the drain <laughs> and reflecting back on what i have done the last four years it all comes down to three points one is i wasn't prepared 
to start a company four years back. Because mm. my background is engineering, and I did engineering, I did design. There are a lot of people out there who can build better companies because it's not through MBA, right? It's with their experiences, how they have grown, the kind of work that they have seen and done that can help them be a natural leader. Mm. But for me, my dad was a government employee. My brother was an employee. I've grown up just seeing people going to offices and coming back. I have zero experience exposure to business. But I knew I wanted to do something of my own. But that does not count as experience or skills. I took the plunge, which was a good thing. I don't regret that. But I also failed to keep myself updated. And that's because lack of structures meant a lot of workload. We did not have a hiring plan. We did not have a sales plan. We did not have a marketing plan. Everything was word of mouth. That worked well for us because there was quality in deliverables. We focused a lot on the quality of deliverables. But we forgot to keep ourselves trained to be a better leader every year. Mm. All it took was actually discipline and time. More importantly, I think the ability to say no. When a client comes in and says, hey, it's a small project. Can you help us? Just five weeks to get off, help us. And then I said, no. So they said, yeah, why not? We'll definitely find some time. We'll squeeze it in. We'll work extra hours. We'll make it possible. You know? So how did this story end? Four. So the story ends in a very sad note, actually. Mm. So I've, one day, I was so frustrated because I'm not able to work. I'm not able to set up my expectations. I'm not able to motivate my team members. But at one example, I'll just tell them, hey, we are lacking in these, these, these areas. Let's go ahead and fix it. But they have been working in the same pattern for about a year. It's very difficult for them to change it right now. And I get frustrated because I expected them to come up with a strategy or probably a plan. And that didn't happen because their plates are already full. Mm. Probably I didn't motivate them enough. Probably I didn't have the right skill sets to plan a better delivery mechanism. Or I might not even have the right exposure to team leadership. Mm. So, so I how told you- them, I, had, I sat down with my co-founder and I talked to her face-to-face and said, hey, what's going wrong? What's happening? We, I know we, have, we are cash poster, we have money, we have projects coming in, we're doing it, but this is not what we set up to do. It's been four years, but looking back, we're basically where we just started. I mean, if we started Design Studio right now, six months, we'd still be here. So her concept of growth was entirely different. What she said is, I don't see what the problem is. You know, we're hiring designers, we're training them, we have projects coming in, we are developing amazing products and we are delivering it. I said, yeah, but we started this off as a two-part solution. When are we going to do research? Yeah, we'll do it when it comes. And what I realized is we had become so comfortable with the ball rolling, that we just had to go with the momentum will be probably one of the biggest design studios in India Hmm. by the end of 10 years. But that did not make sense to me. That's not what I wanted to do. That's not what we agreed on when we started. Somewhere down the line, we got lost. But hey, when do we do the course correction? Right now, it's the time. Let's do it. But no. (laughs) So we actually had different ideas of how the company should grow. And what I realized is if I'm not able to convince my team, if I'm not able to you know, guide them in the right direction, it's not them. I might have done 
you know, probably it's very small things I might have let go regularly and it became a practice. What I decided is I need to step down. I need to join a space. Uh, I need to find a space where I can learn more about leadership, about how best to implement strategies, not just come up with strategies because I've been coming up with strategies for different clients mm-hmm. around the globe. I've worked with amazing clients, you know, like Amdocs, Verizon, yes, amazing clients. I've worked with them and the products and the strategies that we have thought of have been successful. They're out in the market and we have seen, we are seeing its success. So I, I know that it's not about building out strategies, it's more about implementing them. Mm. And it's that implementation where I lack skills. So what would you say is your number one goal now that you're moving into a different role or a different situation? My number one goal is just learn more about leadership qualities and how to ensure that it's imbibed in the culture. Mm. It mm. sounds very simple. It sounds very simple, but I really want to be in a space where the company is growing, right? Not the space where, how do I say this? All right, don't take this in a bad way, but you're seeing a lot of layoffs right now. Definitely. That's because of the structure is more about valuations because we focus on hiring hard because when you go to the investors, you need to show that, hey, we're having one plus two X, three X, we're hiring 300 people. We are having so much sign-ins. We are having a lot of customers and that's how the valuation is marketed. And then once they reach the adequate valuation, they realize we need to now show the company profitable. That's when the investors get their money back. The investors Mm. are now pushing for profitability. So they start with cost cutting. Mm. That's not how can you build a company that's profitable and scale it in the right way. That's good leadership. So I want to be a space where I can observe and learn from the leaders how they are able to keep the ball rolling and slowly catch an avalanche and be built up. Great. Yeah. Scaling is so critical when a small business, I say you got to try to get to three to 5 million as fast as possible because you need that kind of revenue to cover the operating costs of a real business. So I think it's a, it's a good lesson that you're talking about. So is there anything else that you would share that you learned from this experience? Well, the first thing that can, that's coming to my mind is I'm going to definitely come back and start again after I have received uh, all the, you know, the right skill sets. Mm. But the most important mistake that I won't repeat, probably I'll walk down the same path, but the most important thing that I won't repeat is team, the right team. Yep. Because the only reason why I started when I was doubting myself is my team support saying that, hey, let's do it. Let's do it. We can. And uh, now it's just two of us instead of four. And the second person's concept of scaling or growth is entirely different. Mm. I know a lot of people have talked about it. Right? The first yeah. few hires and the first few people that build the team's core culture is very important. Mm. Mm. And I sort of skimped over that and said, hey, who works? Let's hire them. Great. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet taken the risk reduction assessment, I challenge you to go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. As we conclude, Mohammed, I want to thank you again for joining our mission 
And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Thank you so much, Andrew, for that. The parting words for my audience. Hmm. That's a tricky one. Yeah, the only thing that's keeping me going, and I hope that will keep everybody else going, is that to be able to keep an upbeat moment, even at the lowest time, that's what is going to rub off all the darkness and help you start with a small light at the mm-hmm. end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you don't need a lot of people to trust and be around you. Just find that one person who is ready to listen and talk, and they'll be happy to guide you through and keep you upbeat to stand up and start walking again. Great. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. Let's celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.